Hey there, welcome to Not Your Ordinary Girl, a podcast for professionals looking to find their voice, define their brand, and maximize their impact. Episodes are a collection of lessons from real life, interviews with people doing incredible things, tips and tools to get you on your way to realizing your infinite career possibilities. Hey there. So today we're going to be talking about the secret to self-promotion without the sleaze. So let me talk a little bit about what this is. If you're looking for a job, maybe you're actively looking or you are in your job now and you're thinking that maybe you might want to be doing something different, you're looking for something completely different or just a little bit of a change, any of those things. If you're out there looking around for a position and you're trying to figure out how to market yourself, but you really don't like the the heavy networking and the, the self-promotion that has to go on because it makes you feel kind of slimy at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about, right? A lot of corporations now have you basically writing your own performance review at the end of the year, right? And you have to spend two or three or four or five paragraphs writing all about all the wonderful things that you've done for the last year so that you can present it to your supervisor and then they can evaluate you for your raise or promotion or whatever it may be. I don't know about you, but that always stressed me out because there's nothing worse than having to sit down and feel like you're writing two pages of bragging and yet you really have to because it's the only way they know what you've done But there are ways to do things so that it doesn't sound like you are completely obnoxious in how you brag about the work that you've done. There are ways to be confident and proud and creative about the way you write these things without it sounding like you're a snake oil salesman, okay? And promoting yourself when you're looking to find a new position is the same way. So what we're going to be talking about today are ways to look at selling yourself without feeling like you're being disingenuous or you're being too much of a bragger or you're just feeling kind of sleazy about the way you're going about it. We're also going to talk a little bit about the broad opportunities that are out there if you're looking for a little bit of a change and how to promote yourself in such a way so that you will be considered for these positions. So I've mentioned it before that I feel like finding the right job is like finding the right uh, significant other, right? You kind of matched up with the right position at the right time and it makes you happy. You enjoy being at it. You enjoy doing the work. You enjoy the the ups and downs of it all because of course like like any relationship there's no constant smooth sailing there's going to be pros and cons and ups and downs and finding the right career finding the right job is the same concept it's not going to be perfect and they call it work for a reason there are going to be days where you're not going to like it but there are going to be other days where it's very fulfilling so in that vein of self-promotion and looking for a job that makes you happy, there are a lot of ways that we can look outside of exactly what it is we're doing right now to find something that might be a little bit of a better fit. And it doesn't have to be something completely different. It doesn't have to be something exactly the same. 
I heard a phrase this weekend and it really stuck with me, career adjacent. And I love it because it's, it's so true. There are so many different job descriptions and career paths that have a, a ton of similarities and cross-promotional areas where you can bridge the gap of what it is that you do into something slightly different. Okay, so obviously your heavy sciences, your heavy technologies, your very niche areas, your doctors, your surgeons, you guys, I you're kind of you're kind of beholden to the path that you chose. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't skills there that you can pull from and move to the side, but if you are an accountant, you really can't go and be a surgeon. Obviously, that bears without saying. But there are so many things that we can do outside of our main lane and leverage the skills that we are already exercising in our careers to give ourselves opportunity to try new things. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And I'll, I'll dig a little bit deeper so that it's clearer. The number one factor here is transferable skills. Transferable skills are those kinds of talents and experiences and skills that you have that will bridge to any type of industry. We're talking about things like teamwork, organizational skills, leadership skills, uh, ability to use technology, dependability, things that are taught at any job that you might have, things that you have as innate abilities that you can bring to any position. Those types of skills can be leveraged anywhere. So say you say to me that you are a manager of five people in a very tech-heavy company. You, uh, maybe it's manufacturing, right? You manage five people and you work in uh, some kind of an assembly plant and it's very tech-heavy what you're doing. Can you only go and get another job at that type of a facility? No, you are managing people. That is something that is done across the board. Any type of organization you go to, you have to manage people when you're a supervisor. So those skills are transferable. You can take those wherever you go. Obviously, you can command a higher salary at some organizations where you have the, the subject matter expertise if it's needed. If you go to another organization that has some kind of um, mechanical or, or um, engineering type of focus, you can add to those transferable skills by saying that you have special expertise in understanding how widgets go together, right? So that's, that's a perk on top of it. But at the base, they are looking for somebody that can manage people and manage people well. And if you are a good manager... It doesn't matter what kind of people you're managing, if they're scientists or generalists or accountants, whoever it might be. There are trade-offs to that. Like I mentioned, if you are completely moving from one industry to another, you're moving from managing accountants to managing dog walkers, there are differences, obviously, in the job roles and responsibilities of your people. And there are things to be learned moving one way or the other because you, you should have some kind of understanding about what it is your people are doing. 
A good manager always understands what their people have to do and can jump in as needed. So there are some challenges in changing lanes, but there are a lot of opportunities there as well because the the main function is managing your people and you can learn the other piece to the extent that you need to, right? Say you've always worked in government consulting. You understand contracts, you understand budgets, you understand travel, you understand all of the different things that are done on government consulting. You can transfer over to a federal or state or local government position because you understand some of the workings. But you could also move to commercial. They do contracting, they do budgets, they do strategies, they do all of these things as well. Now, you have a different perspective because government contracting versus commercial contracting, there are differences there and there are nuances. But if you're just managing teams or doing business development or doing human resources, whichever area you're working in, the general skills that you're using are the same. And those are your transferable skills. You need to be organized and dependable, be a good member of a team, be adaptable, understand how to use the computer, use different programs. Some of them may be the same across, some of them may not. But these are the skills that you want to really play up when you are trying to look to change lanes. And how do we do this? We do this whenever we are creating our marketing materials, whatever you're going to be using to advertise yourself to potential employers, okay? Just like a marketing campaign for a business, when we are searching and seeking a position, we create a package for ourselves. You should have a few resumes. You should have a couple examples of cover letters. You should have uh, a couple of blurbs for your elevator pitch. You should have a list of things that you are prepared to talk about in, a, in an interview. And I'll, I'll go through each of those so that we can understand a little bit better of, of how you can have these materials on hand to kind of lighten the burden. Looking for a job, whether it is an urgent need because you're out of work or you have to get out of the job you're in now, or a long-term goal where you're okay with your job now, but you'd really like to do something that's more fulfilling or makes you happier, is a full-time job. It takes a long time to find a good fit. Years ago, I think the, the rule of thumb was for every $10,000 you wanted to earn, that's how many months you needed to look for a job. So if you wanted to learn $150,000 a year, you needed to look for 15 months to find a job. I'm not sure that that still holds true. Uh, the job market has changed over the last few years, so there are a lot of opportunities out there. And then you factor in networking and location. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into that. However, if you want to find the right job for you, it does take some time. And you have to do the work. It takes work to find a position that you really want. And you have to be willing to do the legwork and the homework and the prep work and the research and making sure that you're prepared in every way if you want to find the position that you'll really love. And it takes some consideration about all of your options. I think that so many of us go to school for a topic area. You either do or do not find a position in that topic area. And then you focus on the career lane. I need to figure out 
how to be my best at this position. I need to move to the next level, be my best at that position, move to the next level, and kind of put blinders on. And I'm of the mind that you should always be looking, always be looking, because you never know what opportunities are out there. And I'm not suggesting that you be disloyal to your your employer. I'm not suggesting that you constantly need to be ready to jump. If you have found that job, that career track that you are passionate about and you love and enjoy it, perhaps you really don't need to have a resume on hand. You might keep an eye out there because the next best thing may come along, but if you're really happy where you are, then you're probably not listening to this podcast. If you are at all curious or wondering about what other opportunities are out there, then that's why you're listening to this and you're you're exploring the ideas that perhaps there might be something that's a little bit of a better fit for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. Having a package on hand to be able to respond to an opportunity that comes up is always a wise move. Most of the organizations that I've worked for in the last 10 years have all required us to have a current resume to submit with our annual uh, review package. And part of that is for the organization to to maintain that because they have to keep a, a, a database, especially if you work at a consulting firm. I know they have to renew contracts and things like that, and they need the resumes of the people that they have there. But it is a good rule of thumb. Number one, it's going to save you a lot of work if you should need to find a job quickly. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And number two, it's good to just refresh every year and take a look at all of the different things. You can leverage what's in your resume and your marketing package when you're developing that performance review paper. There's a lot of phraseology that you can transfer back and forth, and it just helps to save time and stay organized. It's also nice so that you can see what your growth is. If you're looking at your resume and it says 10 years doing the same exact thing at the same level with no growth, and that is what you are looking for, great. But if you set a goal five years ago that you wanted to progress and move up and and do things differently in your career and you're looking at your resume and you see that once again, there's not much to add there. I've got no new responsibilities. My team hasn't expanded. My budgetary responsibilities haven't expanded. My travel hasn't expanded. Whatever it may be that you wanted to expand your goal and you see on your resume that all it is is you adding an extra year to that time of service, then perhaps it is time to start thinking about how you can make some changes. Or maybe it's time you reevaluate that five-year goal. Maybe you have decided that you really like this job the way it is and you're happy to do the coast. You do a really good job at the position that you're in now. Your bosses are all happy with it. You have a steady increase in pay and you're content. That's fine too. But again, if you are looking at all to consider what other options may be, you want to be tracking that. You want to be making sure that you are constantly moving forward towards the goals that you are setting. So transferable skills and how we can put those into your marketing package. I think that it's wise to have two to three versions of your resume at any time, and I'll explain why. I think that One should be very, very specific to the job that you're doing, very specific to exactly what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis. If you were to interview for another job or to provide to your, your supervisor for your annual review, that resume should be detailed in such 
that it tells exactly what it is you're responsible right now, the work you are doing, the level of responsibility you have, your experience, all of those things. Obviously, referencing your transferable skills in it because those need to be in there. You need to talk about being um, dependable and a good leader and uh, utilizing all of those skills in your current position. Okay, so that's your that's kind of your baseline resume that should always be on your on your hard drive somewhere on your computer so that you can pull it up in a moment's notice just in case you need it. The other two resumes that you should have are stretches and you can do it multiple ways, however fits your wishes and, and goals and objectives. So I'll give you a couple examples. Again, say you are working for a finance firm and you are doing, say you manage a team that does uh, computer programming for a finance firm, okay? Now you've got some finance experience, you've got some computer science experience, you've got some programming experience. Peripherally, none of those are your focus, but you've got some of those experiences because you lead teams that do those things. So you have on-the-job training in those areas at a surface level at least right you're not an expert you can't tout that you're an expert in any of these things because you are a manager say you really really enjoy the finance piece of it all and you would like to find a position that is more finance focused something to give you more opportunity to grow in that arena maybe take a couple classes, learn more about financing, investing, or accounting, or whatever it may be, okay? Build one resume that stretches towards that goal. So you're going to take the base resume, leave all of the information you have in there, but now start at the top and scroll through and find areas that you can add a finance flair to it. And when I say finance flair, you want to highlight Anything that you are doing in your current position that has to do with finance. Say you have to go to a weekly budgeting meeting. You now have budget experience, okay? And I'm not suggesting, and this is where the sleaze comes in, right? You have to be genuine in what it is you're doing. It's, it's one thing to be stretching, and it's another thing to be fibbing. But you need to make sure that what it is your advertising is something that you can do or something that you can learn. I read an article about what happens if you get a job based on a resume where you lied and they want you to do tasks that you have no skill set to do. What do you do then? You know, basically the recommendation was uh, you're going to have to go to your boss now and say, you know what, I lied on my resume and I have no idea how to do this. Can we get me training and hope that you don't get fired? Okay, so I tell you that because I think that being truthful and having integrity in your your resumes is very important. And again, I'm not suggesting that you have to tell them exactly what it is you do, because I firmly believe that many people possess more skills than they realize that you have picked up peripherally from the different interactions you have at work. And those are the things that I'm talking about advertising, okay? You go to a budget meeting every week. Talk about that in this resume. Reference whatever financial opportunities you've had 
at this position that will help make you marketable for a financing position. If they've sent you to take any training to get you some subject matter expertise in finance, perhaps you had to take some accounting classes, whatever they may be, those are things that you would put on this resume and you would highlight those because those are transferable. Now, you may not be able to come in, say you're a a number two level manager at your current position and you want to find a position in finance. Maybe you have to be a number three level manager in that firm because they need you to get a little bit more of the subject matter expertise because it is applicable. Maybe they'll bring you over as a number two. There does have to be some flexibility because again, you are changing lanes, but Unless it is something hyper-focused in a very technical area, there should be some wiggle room for lateral moves. There is also the possibility that they're looking for somebody who is very strong in their management skills with just a little bit of finance background. And they're going to leverage those transferable leadership capabilities that you have. Maybe you have to do briefings every week and because they're so finance focused, they need somebody that can come in and really feel comfortable in front of a room briefing numbers. You don't need to know what the numbers mean. You don't need to know how they came about the numbers, but you need to be comfortable in front of a room and hey, you've been doing that for years at your other job and you come in and you can dazzle them with your public speaking skills. So these are things that you can transfer over to this other resume. Let's take it another direction. For your third resume, you're still working at this organization where you've got um, leadership skills and you are working in finance, working with some computer technology type things. Maybe you really want to do something in the consulting world. Maybe you don't want to narrow it down and do just one thing. Perhaps the part of your job that you really like is the managing of people, but you don't want to have to be horned into just finance or technology. Maybe you'd like something that offers a broader picture. Build your third resume for that. Again, leveraging your base skills there, but highlight the fact that you are very adaptable. You manage two different types of teams. You like the diversity of it. You are able to think on the fly, you can travel, whatever it is that you want in this other position, those are the things in this resume that you want to highlight. Now you have three resumes. They're in your back pocket. They're ready to go if an opportunity should present itself. You're at a networking event and you're talking to somebody and they mention a position that sounds interesting to you. You just have to go back Take one of these three resumes, whichever one applies best, do a little tweaking and make it match to whatever it is they're looking for. About, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, I was doing one type of position and it was in a technology world, but it was domestic. And I was really interested in international. I I was talking to someone and they said, you know, I have a Position something similar to what it is you're doing now, but it's on an international scale. And I thought, wow, that could be interesting. I didn't have anything else really going on at the time. I was traveling quite a bit domestically. What's a few more hours to start going internationally and seeing the world? All right, I'll give it a try. I came home. I had one of those resumes. It had been built for a while because my degree was in international studies. So I had always thought that I wanted to do something on the international scale. 
I took the the resume and I basically highlighted all of my interactions with interna- international organizations, uh, international agencies, anywhere I could highlight that I had capabilities in broadening my domestic experience to international and the things that would be used across the board. So things like team building or uh, relationship building, uh, working with diverse groups, working across language barriers, those types of things. These are all skills that you can highlight to demonstrate. And the management, the project program management, that stuff is all the same making sure that people come to work on time, writing performance evaluations, managing scope, schedule, budget. The basic skills of those types of things are all the same. Broadening it to a different market or a different subject matter area is the piece that you need to really focus on. And if you've got these three resumes, your baseline, you know, your, your, honed in one to to finance or whatever lane that you think you might want to specialize in based on your position or something broader. And it can be, I mean, it can be whatever applies to your focus area, right? But you've got these resumes and all you need to do is take a look at whatever the position is that you're, you're applying for. Again, let's go back to your, your networking with somebody and you hear about a position that's interesting. Ask them for the information. There should be some kind of position description out there if they're actively hiring. Either they can send it to you or you can find it online. Take a look at the position description. Look for all of the keywords. All of the keywords, the majority of them are transferable skills or something very specific to their industry. And you need to take a look at your resume and crosswalk the two. Put them side by side and look to see if there are ways that you can incorporate what it is they're looking for in your resume. Can you highlight similar skills? Oftentimes you can. Let's take something like, say you work in retail sales. Okay. You've been in retail sales for a long time and you really want something more career focused. You're tired of managing a shop or managing a store or working on the floor and you want to do something that's more career-like, something in a, in a firm where you want to uh, you know, grow in a leadership chain. Maybe you're you're at your ceiling in the retail sales, you're a, a district manager or you're a shop manager, whatever it may be. You want to do something in a, a corporation or organization. What are some of the things that you have dealt with in retail that are applicable to a corporation? At first glance, I, I, I spoke to someone recently and they said, well, I'm not qualified to work for a corporation. I've only done retail sales. I've 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 managed a, a clothing store, but that doesn't really apply to anything in corporate world. I beg to differ. You've managed a staff, you've managed a budget, you've managed a schedule, you have done ordering, you have done um, annual performance reviews, you've done all of these things that are done on a corporate level too. Which part of the retail sales business, do you like best? Do you like the people management? Do you like the budget piece of it? Do you like the the um, ordering and shipping and that type of thing? What part of it do you like best? Do you like the customer engagement? I mean, you have huge amounts of customer service. So this is where you need to do some self-reflection and decide what part of my job do I like best? And how can I turn that into a career 
that I will be happy in. That's the piece, or maybe the couple pieces. Say you like the customer service piece of it and you like the numbers of it. Okay, so now you're looking for something that has financial and customer interaction. Perhaps we're talking about some kind of business development. Nearly every corporation and consulting firm that I know of has to have some kind of business development. They have to have some kind of of marketing and networking, those types of things so that they can build business. Build your resume to highlight that lane of skills so that when you're looking for positions, you can find something doing the pieces of your job that you really like. I would argue that most of us don't hate all of our job at any one particular time, right? I mean, there were days where I loathed my job and I just didn't want to go. But when I think about it, it wasn't the entire job. If I was going to throw the towel in and say I hate everything about it, that just wouldn't be true because there's always little parts that you like. There's always little parts that you don't like. I mean, like I said, work is work for a reason. They call it work because it's a job. You have to go. You have to do your work. But it doesn't all have to be drudgery. There have to be little pieces of it that you enjoy doing. Pick apart what it is about your job that you like and look for something in that area. Look to market yourself in a way so that you can find a position in that lane. You can look on LinkedIn. You can look on Indeed. Those seem to be the big ones right now. There's lots of other search engines. You could even look in Google. Google's got their Google jobs that you can look for, positions. Look and see what's out there. I think I tend to like Indeed just because I like the way their uh, filters work, but LinkedIn's filters are working pretty well now too. So think of something Think of your dream job. Say your favorite things about your job are the travel and the public speaking, okay? Go into any of these job search places and look for public speaking. Type in public speaking. Oftentimes on the left, I think in LinkedIn, actually on Indeed, I know they have a thing where travel required, travel not required. You can tick those off on the left. Look for public speaking. And it'll show you positions that highlight public speaking in the topic area or in the somewhere in the in the text of the position that they're listing. You could work for Acme Basket Weaving. They need somebody that's really good at public speaking. You don't care what the subject matter is. You just like to stand in front of a crowd and talk. You could work for anybody. I mean, there could be any kind of random company out there. Now, again, if you've worked in finance forever and you're looking for a position in medical sales, say, for public speaking, there may be some wiggle room there for what level and what salary you come in at because you're coming into a totally different market area and there may be things you have to learn about that area. Um, You know, a lot of it depends on how things progress forward. If you are a truly dynamic speaker and you can pick up any book off a shelf, scan a couple of pages, and then give an eloquent and moving presentation on whatever it is you just read and can demonstrate that in an interview. Obviously, this is a very extreme example, but there may be no question. Okay, you obviously can sell anything. You obviously can can promote anything with just a little bit of preparation. We'll bring you in at whatever level um, you were at before or whatnot. But there are some, there does need to be some flexibility on, on our part when we are looking to change lanes or we're looking to kind of 
hone or refine exactly what it is we're doing. If you are not making a huge shift, if you are looking at these career adjacent positions that we talked about earlier, things that have some overlap, there shouldn't be a huge shift though. The gap between position and income level, if you're staying close to your your lane, shouldn't be that large. And I would argue that if you are interviewing someplace and they are saying, well, you don't have experience in exactly what it is we're doing, so therefore we want to knock you back four or five levels and cut your salary by 20%, I would argue two things. One, you didn't do a good enough job advertising your transferable skills and demonstrating to them how those transferable skills can benefit them in their industry. Or two, they're just looking to get someone on for cheap and and that's why they're they're doing this and that would not be a good fit. If you're going to switch to a position that is a labor of love and something you're going to be passionate about and have always wanted and dreamed of having and don't mind taking the few steps back and the salary cut, okay, then you know that's a decision you have to make. I would argue that if they're really lowballing you like that and trying to knock you back several levels in your career, I would argue that's probably not a good fit. But again, it's a very personal decision. You have to decide what you're comfortable with. I think that you could probably try again with another organization and improve the way you are demonstrating your value to them in their industry. That to me is a key indicator that for some reason they did not see how you could bring your transferable skills and really bring them value as as an employee. On that note, I'm a firm believer in training wheels and test runs and trial runs. And what I mean by that is if you are really interested in looking for another position, again, urgently or long-term, apply to a few things. Apply to a few different positions in that area. There's almost always the opportunity to be able to say, my current employer doesn't know that I'm looking. Check that box. Apply to a couple of jobs just as a test the water. Look for some things that you might be interested in, but you're not dying to have. Send your resume in. I Again, from an integrity standpoint, I encourage you to do something local because if you are courting a company who becomes very interested in you that is not local and they're going to spend the money to fly you somewhere for an interview and wine you and dine you and you have no intention of taking that job, I, I feel like that's not right, but you have to make your own decision on what you feel is appropriate. I would encourage you to look for something local where you can go in an hour late to work one day or take a long lunch or take a half a day of personal time and go and do a local interview. This will do so many things for you. Number one, it gives you an idea of the process. If you haven't interviewed in a while, it will get you refamiliar with what the process is all about. You know, if they're going to be asking you for some kind of written documentation, if they're going to be doing a phone interview, if they're going to do an in-person interview. There are a variety of different styles of interviews now, depending on your industry, behavioral, situational, those type of things. You'll get a feel for what type of interviews are being done in the field that you could be interested in. You will get practice of getting up, getting ready, making sure that you've got your, your, your best self going with respect to prepping for the interview. Go in, sit down, talk to them, 
hear about what it is they're looking for, it'll put a little bit of perspective on the position that you're looking at. And if you are not dying to have this job, if this is not your dream job that you absolutely want, the pressure is off. You will be a little bit more at ease. You can go in, you can talk to them. Obviously, it's it's one of those things where some people will be very nervous regardless. Some people will not be nervous at all. That all depends on, on how, how you internalize what is going on. But it'll give you the opportunity of a trial run. You will get the chance to practice your elevator pitch or your self-marketing spiel, whatever it is that it may be. You'll get to think on the fly with the questions that they ask and offer up examples of how your transferable skills apply to their company. At a minimum, it'll get the juices flowing in your brain to be thinking along the lines of what you'll need to do to prepare for that interview that you really do want. You'll have some material that you can use for that position. You'll have a a resume that you know was successful, at least in getting you in the door. You'll know what types of questions they're asking and, and how you can better prepare to make your answers even tighter for that interview you want. You'll have a cover letter that you've already drafted that you can mold for the job you want. You'll have a thank you note from the interview that, again, you can adjust a little bit for the job that you really want. So it really gets a lot of the legwork out of the way, and it's giving you an opportunity to see what's going on and feel comfortable with the process. A lot of interviewers will provide feedback, and if you do not get the position that you interviewed for, there's no reason why you cannot send a follow-up email and thank them for your time and ask them about anything that they heard or saw in the interview that led them to their negative decision. They may or may not respond back to you. In my experience, it's probably about 50% of the organizations, they'll come back and say, you know, we really are looking for someone with more of these skills. We really are looking for someone who has done this. We really are looking for someone who is more comfortable. You seemed very nervous, those types of things. Sometimes they'll volunteer that right in the response letter. Sometimes you have to ask for it. Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. But again, if you're not beholden to getting this job, you have the flexibility to be able to reach out and ask these questions. And you can use that information for the interview that you really want. You can also start to feel more comfortable with how you are marketing yourself in this new way. If you've always worked in your, you know, your lane there where you're a manager of, of teams that do finance and teams that do computer programs and you are looking to do this consulting thing where it's broader or you're looking to do the finance or you're in retail, whatever it may be, it changes your storyline. And you have to be comfortable with your storyline. You have to be confident in your storyline because if you don't believe it, they aren't going to believe it. And that's where that self-promotion without sleaze comes in. You don't have to go in there and be bending the truth and, and, and telling them fantastical stories of stuff that's never happened and that you've never done, but you've heard about and sounds like it might be good. You just have to go in there and highlight all of the things that you have done in a manner that appeals to that industry. Back to the the budgeting. You've been to budget meetings. They've sent you for some budget training. You're responsible for this. That is something you you can sell in that meeting. I am not responsible for budgets, but I 
have direct interaction with the budgeting team. I am in the loop, those types of things. I have to coordinate regularly with the budgeting team. So you may not do the budget yourself, but peripherally, you are very involved in it. You may not have supervising power or you may not have sign-off power, whatever it may be, but you are invested in the development, execution, and staying close to the budget because you are involved in that activity. Building your marketing package, your self-promotion package, whatever you want to call it, is very important. It may seem like a lot of work for nothing. And as I mentioned, if you are thrilled with your job and don't see yourself going anywhere for a long time, then you probably only need your main resume to be providing to your, your employer or have it just in case you need it. But if for any reason you are not loving exactly what it is you're doing on the long term or think that you may want to grow or expand in the future, perhaps your organization tops out at a certain level and you are early on in your career and you're already halfway there and you know you're going to top out and still have 20 years or 10 years of your career and you don't want to just coast at that top level and you want to look at something else. Perhaps you just are not loving every area of your job, but there are some pieces that you really like and wish you could do more of. Maybe it's something internal in a different division, different directorate, and and you're thinking that perhaps you might want to be moving over there at some point. Having these materials and having some kind of a plan is very valuable. And if you are doing any kind of networking, talking to colleagues, going to happy hours, going to conferences, anything along those lines where you're talking to folks from other industries or other organizations, it behooves you to have something within reach to pull from should an opportunity arise. It could be something that you're at a happy hour and you're talking to someone you haven't seen in years and they mention, yeah, we've been trying to find someone to fill this position. Position's been on the street for two months. We're getting ready to pull it down because we just don't have anybody. You now are on travel hearing about a wonderful opportunity that is perfect for you, but they're closing it tomorrow and you just heard about it. And there is no way you can build a quality resume to get that position between now and then. And you're thinking to yourself, I wish I had something ready to go. You know, you're going to be at this this conference until whatever time tonight, then you've got the networking thing, and tomorrow you're at the conference all day, maybe you're speaking, who knows what it is, right? If you had some of these materials already ready to go, then you could go back to your, to your hotel room or go back home that evening, whatever it is, polish it up a little bit, take a look at the rec, and send them something the next day and have a real shot. Because that's what it's all about. I mean, you can you can have a shoddy resume. You can you can have something in your back pocket that you used five years ago, haven't updated. Throw a couple keywords in it and and hope for the best. You could do that. You might even have a chance. You never know. But if it's something you hear about that you are super excited about it, and this is just perfect, imagine how disappointed you'll be that there's no way you can do it because you don't have the time, because you don't have the materials. Or imagine how frustrating it will be to stay up all night trying to come up with something to provide to them and how much easier it would be if you had something. 
you will greatly improve your chances both for getting those opportunities and for applying those opportunities and getting the interviews if you have some kind of promotional package that you can draw from. Even just in talking at that networking event about what it is that you do and what it is that you aspire to do or what your goals are, or whatever it may be, if you have a little bit of a plan, it's much easier to talk to it. So take a look at the job that you're doing now. Take a look at all of the different things that you do in your job. Make a list. We know I love lists. Make a list. Make a list of all of the parts of your job that you really enjoy doing and prioritize them. If you could design your perfect job, what would it entail? And take a look at those things. Find out if there are any ways to pull them together into something else or something at your organization, something somewhere else. Google it, wherever it may be. You have a job now. You don't need to change jobs. I get it. You've got health care. You've got retirement. You're there. You might as well stick it out. Then stick it out. But at the same time, if you have an idea of what you would love to be doing, and then you hear about it or see it online or you search every once in a while, put it up on, on LinkedIn and they'll send you po- possible job matches that fit that description. You never know what might fall into your lap and you should be ready for when it does. Because the worst thing that I think could happen is have the perfect job fall into your lap and for whatever reason, you can't even go after it because you don't have enough time or you don't have the materials or you just don't know where to start because you haven't done any of the groundwork that you need to do. Building these resumes and, and your your transferable skills list and some of the materials that you you have, this is something you could do on a Saturday afternoon. You got an hour to yourself, go sit at your desk, knock a couple paragraphs out. You don't have to do it all on a weekend. Make it your, your six-month goal. Make it your summer project this summer. Spend a little bit of time taking a look at what it is you do and and position yourself because it is really powerful to know if we're in a position that we don't like, it's very empowering to know that there are options, number one, okay? Number two, it's even more empowering to know that we have a path to exercise those options. So that perfect job may not be something that you are seeing online right now or may not be something that exists today. But if you can at least identify what that might be or what that might be close to being and then prepare yourself to go after it, be it passively or actively. I mean, if this is if you start thinking about this and realize, gosh, I didn't even think about it, but I really want to do this. And then you dedicate yourself to getting ready for that position, whatever it is, and then actively start looking at and and going after it. That is a great feeling because now you're no longer going to work every day thinking, well, I guess this is okay, but I don't really love it. If you have an option in your back pocket for future, should it arise, that's got to feel better than having no options. There's no light at the end of the tunnel at that point. Give yourself a light at the end of the tunnel. It can be a really long tunnel or it can be a short tunnel and that's up to you. But if there's some kind of light off there in the distance, it makes the darkness of where you're at a little bit more bearable. Best of luck in all of your job hunting, interviewing, and starting your first day. Have a great day. All right, so thanks for tuning in to Not Your Ordinary Girl. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Head on over to notyourordinarygirl.com and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Feel free to drop me a note with any topics you'd like to hear about or feedback, and please go ahead and recommend it to your friends. Until next time, remember to always stand up and be confident, stand by all that you do and say with integrity, and stand out, because after all, there's only